Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. Now it's time for Inside the Clubhouse, a show dedicated to the Chicago baseball fan, featuring the best Chicago baseball conversation as well as the big MLB topics, along with the biggest names, greatest guests, and listener interaction. Starring Score Baseball Insider Bruce Levine and Matt Spiegel. It all starts right here, right now on Sports Radio 670 The Score and 670thescore.com, Chicago's sports station. A pleasant good morning to you. Alongside 670 The Scores baseball guru, Bruce Levine, I'm Zach Saban, in for Speaks, and this is Inside the Clubhouse, broadcasting live from the Hyundai Studios, brought to you by your local Hyundai dealers. Ahead on the show, a detailed look inside the Cubs draft with Cubs scouting director Dan Kantrovitz in just a few minutes. Plus, we'll visit with White Sox number one pick Garrett Crochet at 940. We'll reminisce about the home run chase of 1998 between Sammy Sosa and Mark McGuire. There's a new documentary about the chase coming out tomorrow. But Bruce, good morning. Let's start with the biggest question that remains unanswered. When will we see baseball in 2020? Uh, July the 15th. <laughs> uh, that, that's my date. Um, be at Wrigley Field. Um, I'm sure they'll be playing the White Sox, or the White Sox will be playing the, the Cubs at uh, guaranteed rate. No, it's, uh, you know, that, that, that's, there's so many unknowns, but uh, we believe right now that uh, as of tomorrow night, uh, the MLB has given Players Association a deadline. Uh, if they don't uh, come up with something that they agree with, I think the commissioner by Tuesday will uh, implement a 50-game season uh, that'll start somewhere in the middle of uh, July. Uh, there'll be three to four weeks of spring training and uh, no expanded playoffs uh, that I could see uh, if under that scenario. So the season would end around September 27th. Uh, the playoffs would end uh, the normal time, you know, maybe the third week or, of October or November 1st. And that would be your baseball in 2020. Now, I'm hoping that uh, negotiation takes place. They've gotten a little closer, not not too close money-wise, but philosophically they've gotten a little bit closer. Uh, they haven't gotten off of uh, the philosophical point of the players wanting to be uh, – given a full prorated amount of money. But nonetheless, um, MLB has come up with some creative ways to give them more total dollars. So we'll see where it lays. I, I still am encouraged that they can get something done by tomorrow night. What gives you that encouragement? History. Uh, only 1994 going into 1995 
were uh, the sides um, dumb enough to stop baseball totally. And that was it was one of the worst uh, situations in sports history, certainly for baseball. It took it many, many years to come back. We'll talk about that today with the uh, Sosa McGuire documentary on Sunday night. But um, they, can't, they can't afford uh, having a baseball season missed while hockey, basketball, football are played. It's just a, it's an impossibility. So we're going to have baseball, but I just think that uh, uh, the players and the owners will come to some agreement here. Um, it, you know, the, the, the reporting on it has been so good that it, it makes it worse for both uh, the Major League Baseball players and the owners because every everything is thrown out there immediately after it's proposed and rejected. And to the fans and to the media, it sounds like um, that there's nothing that can ever be done. We just happen to have both sides willing to share the information to put pressure on the other side. It's just negotiation, Zach. We're just more privy to it now. Yeah, I don't know that I would say it's regular negotiations, though. It seems as though there's a lot of bad blood in the stuff that's gotten leaked. For example, the league Mm -hmm. yesterday proposed a 72-game season with a bump in guaranteed compensation and overall potential money earned, but baseball's deputy commissioner accused the players' union of, quote, enormous damage to the sport with its negotiating posture, and that is the kind of stuff that isn't helpful. It's it's just mind-boggling to me that this has almost turned into a pseudo-collective bargaining agreement type of negotiation when this is a unique circumstance based on the fact that a global pandemic hit right before the start of what was supposed to be the regular season, Bruce. You know, Zach, every, everything you say is correct, except that because baseball is the only free market left out there in professional sports, meaning it's it doesn't have a salary cap, these things are never figured out ahead of time. And keep in mind, it would have been much more complicated for hockey and basketball as well if the players hadn't already been paid uh, the lion's share of their um, salary. They, they were all paid up just about with 88% of the season in the books. So that, that and, and that's already figured out. It's 47% of uh, the revenues that they agree upon. And there, there's nothing to argue about. In baseball, you have a free market. And the free market allows baseball teams to uh, spend as much money as they'd like to uh, be uh, bidding higher or lower depending on the year and uh, to allow players a more free movement than they do in the other sports. So to me, Zach, it's still more preferable, even though uh, people are sick of the negotiations in public. I, I like the free market of baseball. I like the idea uh, that players can get paid $35 million a year, that owners can, uh, they, they can go a different direction and uh, take two or three or four years to rebuild Uh, I I just think that uh, baseball is still the best system. We'll get much more into detail regarding these negotiations a little bit later on in the show, Bruce. But uh, there was some baseball, not on the field, but there was some baseball this week and big time baseball in terms of the impact it's going to have on both the Cubs and White Sox going forward. And pleased to be joined right now. On the Alpamonte Ford hotline, Alpamonte Ford in Melrose Park by Cubs scouting director Dan Kantrovitz. Good morning, Dan. How are you? 
Morning, guys. Good. How are you guys doing? Yeah, we're doing okay. Uh, and uh, I need to introduce you to uh, Zach Zaidman, who's the pre- and post-game host for Cub Baseball on 670 The Score, 670thescore.com and radio.com. So uh, welcome, and uh, we appreciate your time today. I, I imagine you're really sick of us. You've talked to us like about 15 times already this week, so um, we'll, we'll <laughs> no, get on with okay. it. Uh, Ed Howard, um, a wonderful pick for the Chicago area, for the Chicago Cubs, and for Ed Howard. I, I wonder, you know, what your response has been to his response about becoming a Chicago Cub. Yeah, I, I, I to your point, Bruce, I, I think, you know, the more that it sinks in, the more that it just feels like it's it's kind of a transcendent pick. I mean, he's obviously got the talent on the field, uh, the upside that we're looking for. Uh, he plays a premium position, has some electric tools. Uh, but, but the more that you get to know this guy, uh, I think that just the more that you become impressed. And, and I think a lot of that's just, you know, that's what our scouts, John Pedrotti and Karan Walker, our, our two local scouts, uh, that's what they've been telling us all spring. Um, and, you know, when we met with him in person, that was the feeling we got. That was the vibe we got from him based on the Zoom interview we did. Um, you know, but there's sometimes you just never know until you actually draft somebody uh, and then the spotlight's on them. Um, but, you know, Ed has, has, has just exceeded all of our expectations. Um, and, you know, I think he's, he's going to be somebody that is just going to be, uh, you know, maybe the, maybe the face uh, of, of what we're doing for, for a while. And it's, uh, it's, I think there's nobody that would rather uh, have, have seen that position than, than Ed. So, um, you know, nobody wants to sort of put too, too many expectations on him. Um, but if there's somebody that can, that can handle this, it's, 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 it's him. What gives you the confidence that, that he can handle it? Because that's something that you can't scout. You have to meet and, and know a guy in order to, to understand those intangibles. When did you discover that that was there with Ed Howard? You know, I think I got that feeling when we met with he and his family back in January at, at, at Wrigley. And, you, you, you know, you ask a player some pointed questions. You ask them some tough questions. You ask them about adversity. Um, and, you know, he's overcome adversity. He's just kind of faced the music in a lot of different cases. And, and it, more than anything, it's really just uh, the, the maturity that, that he has. Uh, he's got, I think, a, an uncanny level of maturity for, for a high school kid right now. Uh, and, you know, I, it's interesting because during our Zoom call, I remember our, um, our national cross-checker, Ron Tossenson, who participated on the calls. I remember he, he just he asked Ed, um, you know, he said, you know, how are you going to deal with the media? How are you being a local guy? How, how is that something that you're going to uh, be prepared to deal with? And, um, you know, without remembering the word by word answer that, that Ed gave us, uh, suffice it to say what, what he did say, um, you know, gave us a lot of comfort that, you know, this is this is a guy that's going to you know not get distracted uh, off the field. That's going to be able to uh, hold up to the scrutiny of the media and that's just going to go up go about his business and just keep working hard. That, that's what he's done his whole life. He's just worked really hard to get where he is. Uh, and I think that perseverance is something that uh, really stood out to us. Dan Kantrovitz, the uh, Chicago Cubs scouting director, our guest on Inside the Clubhouse. And uh, Dan, the feel good for me is this. Ed Howard is a product of the Chicagoland area system of young young African-American players or players of color playing from the time they're young kids 
to this point uh, where they play in good programs, they uh, are funded and given uh, good uh, uh, equipment and uh, people around them, and they make it to this point. Um, we're, we're talking an awful lot about the fact there's only 7% African-Americans in Major League Baseball, the lowest since its peak in 1975 when it was uh, close to uh, 19%. Um, at this point, uh, how good should we feel about the Ed Howards of the world? How good should we feel about the Chicagoland area producing more kids like Ed Howard? Yeah, it, it, it's it's hard to speak to um, you know in, in any sort of program producing more of a, you know, a particular person. Uh, you know, everybody is unique, right? And and I think we feel like Ed is just super unique. Uh, so I, I, I don't think anybody wants to get carried away with saying, well, there's going to be more of so-and-so uh, coming out of a particular program. I mean, everybody, every player that comes out of a, a college program uh, is unique, and, and everybody that comes out of a, a high school program is, is unique in their own ways. And, um, you know, if, 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 there, if we have put it this way, if we have the opportunity to draft more Ed Howards in the future, I think we'll be, uh, uh, we'll, we'll be really lucky. Dan, you called this a pretty epic draft, and it wasn't just because you got Ed Howard in the first round. Can you give us a snapshot summary of the other picks in this draft and why you're so excited about what the Cubs came away with? Yeah, sure. So, you know, Burl uh, Caraway with our with our second pick. Um, I think there's a tendency to look at Burl and say he's, um, you know, kind of a, a fast-moving college reliever. And, and while that might, may be the case, might be the case, uh, he's a lot more than that. I mean, Burl has elite stuff when you're talking about his two-pitch fastball-breaking ball combo. Uh, in some ways, it's stuff that we actually haven't seen before in the draft. Uh, and, and, and when I say that, I say that in, a, uh, in, a, in, in glowing terms. It's something that when you break down his stuff from what our scouts are telling us, from what the data is telling us, um, it's, it's dominant stuff and it's stuff that we think could uh could could be down in the big leagues in, in the not too distant future and, and it is really exciting the way he goes about it i think people are going to love this guy uh it's electrifying it's fun to watch uh and and he's he's we couldn't be more thrilled with 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 him in the in the second round or or, or in any place in the draft for that matter um jordan wogu our pick in the third uh, just brings the, the the potential to have tremendous power, kind of that speed power combination, um, probably in a corner outfield spot, um, you know. But he played center field at Michigan this year, and I think that speaks to to his overall athleticism. Michigan's one of the premier programs in the country, and you can't get away with putting somebody in center field that doesn't just have uh, plus athleticism. And um, so, you know, I think his his future probably probably is on a in a corner spot um but having the sort of speed power combo there um is is a rare profile in the draft and you know factor in that he can control the zone and um i think jordan's got a a bright future now you know we're going to take advantage of um you know the the, the resources in our player development system and uh whether that's justin stone on the hitting side and, and all the other coaches we have to continue to refine his uh his swing and his approach but um you know, I don't. You know, the not too distant future. I think he's uh, he's going to be a fun one to see uh, wearing a Cubs uniform. Um, you know, and then I think Luke Little. Uh, the the upside's been well publicized, and you know he's he was up to 105 during the 
uh, during the, 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 the quarantine time. And, um, but, you know, I think in games, our scouts, have, uh, Trey Forkaway, our, our local scout down there, has been on him uh, for a long time. And, you know, because he's consistently upper 90s, topping out at 100, 101 in games. Um, so the velo is real, uh, but there's going to be, you know, we're going to have to keep working with him on his command, shaping his other pitches. Uh, he's an ideal candidate to put into our player development apparatus and, and try to improve what he's doing. Uh, I think, you know, he's, he's still a young kid, and I think people forget that. Um, so, you know, we're not going to rush things with Luke, but, you know, the upside is real, and, uh, and, 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 and we'll see what we have. Um, I think Cohen Moreno, I think, is, uh, is a really exciting pick for us. Uh, I think it, it just showed some some pretty unique collaboration between our scouting department, between, uh, believe it or not, our R&D department, too. And I, I say believe it or not because typically you don't associate uh, drafting a high school righty with uh, also having some uh, pretty appealing analytics. But uh, but he does. You know, there's some th- unique traits that we identified in how he goes about it, um, you know, through our ability to capture high-speed video, um, that that we that really stand out to us, and and, and we're pretty excited about Cohen, and uh, I I don't think it gets a lot of fanfare, you know, as sort of the in, in the fifth round, um, but that's a high pick, and 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 that's somebody somebody that uh, uh, you know we're, we're excited about, but he's you know he's he's young, and uh, we're we're by no means going to rush anything there, um, but we've we've got some pretty uh, pretty lofty expectations for Cohen, and it's. Uh, um, he, he's a great kid on top of it. So that's a, kind of an exciting five guys to, to continue to talk about. Dan, uh, 56 years ago and all the years in baseball before that, there was no amateur draft. And yep. now with baseball rules this year, everyone after the fifth round uh, can be signed by anyone, uh, but the maximum is $20,000 for signing. Uh, yeah. How creative and how competitive could this market be knowing that there's so many fine young players out there that may not want to sign, but then again, uh, maybe maybe somebody will not want to go uh, back to college. Maybe someone will not want to go back or or go to college, period, and sign out of high school. How, How creative and how much work does that create for you and your scouting staff? Yeah, well, it's 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 been kind of an all hands on deck effort for us over the last really three months when it comes to this. And when I say that, I mean we've had a process that's involved people from our R and D department, that's involved people from player development department, uh, and that's obviously involved all of our scouts and even some some people in the front office. Uh, and you know we're talking about um, you know creating things like custom videos for for players, uh, showing them our player development app. Uh, to, just to give them a glimpse of the resources that we have in our system and really just selling what we have because we think there's a lot to sell uh, in terms of what our player development staff does and, and what they bring to the table, and we think that should be appealing to, to players. Uh, having said that, uh, like you said, Bruce, it's going to be it's, – it's really competitive. Um, and, you know, I think not just – we're not just competing against other teams, uh, which would be sort of the – I think – was my instinct initially that just the expectation, but we're, mm-hmm. we're competing against the, you know, the college programs too. Um, so we have to, sh- we have to try to uh, market, you know, our, what we do in player development, um, which is an easy thing to market because of how impressive it is. Um, but we have to show, make sure kids are aware that, you know, what we do, we think is pretty unique and special, not just compared to the other 29 clubs, but compared to, 
the college programs. Uh, having said that, there's going to be a lot of kids that, you know, are, are, are going to want to just go back to school. Uh, and I think um, so it, it, it's not sort of your typical six, seven round draft talent pool. Um, but we might be able to sign a player that is sort of fits in that bucket. Um, but it's, 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 it's going to be competitive. And, and once the, uh, the quiet period expires tomorrow morning, um, you know, we're going to have a number of us on the phone calling some of these players. And um, I think we have to sort of manage our expectations there um, in, in terms of just the quantity uh, of players that we sign. But, um, you know, I think it's something that uh, we're, you know, obviously putting a lot of time into and want to make sure that, you know, if there are players that decide to sign that, uh, that, that we're in the pole position. It's very similar to the NFL undrafted free agent market, which is always highly competitive. We're visiting with Cub Scouting Director Dan Kantrovitz, our final few moments with Dan. And uh, I want to go back to when you were first hired. And and I bring it up because now that the draft is over, can you share in a little bit more detail what you brought to an organization that already had certain things in place, as you've mentioned during this interview? What did you bring to mesh with that yeah well i think like you said i mean there's amazing people that work for the cubs they've had amazing drafts before i got here and uh you know i think it's just there's been big shoes to fill from from that standpoint and i've wanted to just continue that uh you know i think my job has been to um you know try to combine what we do on the scouting side and 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 with what we're doing on the, the analytics side uh, you know, with the really talented people we have in, in research and development. And, um, you know, and I think we're just trying to make sure that we're maximizing every resource that we have um, because there's a lot of them. And then I think, you know, tr- trying to put in perspective how the player, you know, how we might be able to be more aggressive in the draft in light of, you know, what we think we can do from a player development standpoint. Uh, I think really just trying to, Take, at the end of the day, the best way I could describe it is just to take advantage of every resource that we have uh, with the Cubs to try to make the best pick, whether that's the talented scouts we have, whether that's the uh, abundant resources we have in player development, um, or whether that's the, the pretty top-notch R&D department we have. It's, I think that was, the, that was the message that I told our scouts uh, back in January when we all met as a group in Chicago, uh, and I think that continues to be my job to – just make sure that I'm maximizing every resource that we have because there's just so many of them. Dan, we appreciate your time. Uh, you deserve at least a 24 hours of rest before you get back to this. So uh, all the best to you. Thanks for all the uh, great communication and cooperation over this last week. And we'll talk to you sometime soon. Thanks, Bruce. Appreciate it. Thanks, Zach. Take care. Dan Trent, uh, Kantrovich, the uh, new uh, scouting director for the Chicago Cubs, uh, joining us in Inside the Clubhouse. He's Zach. I'm Bruce. We're here for you every week on Inside the Clubhouse from 9 to 11. Don't forget, tomorrow night after the ESPN production of The Long Gone Summer, the Sosa-McGuire race, a special here on The Score. Pat Hughes, Ron Coomer, and myself will will talk about the um, ESPN show as well as take your calls at 312-644-6767. Pat and I, of course, were there. Pat was there to make all of those great calls between Sammy and Mark uh, during that wonderful summer. 
And uh, Coombs, a former teammate of Sammy's, will also add some expertise. So join us after that show tomorrow at uh, 10 o'clock Central Time. 22 years ago, it was quite a moment in Major League Baseball history, and we look at it a little bit differently now uh, than we did then, and we'll get into that next hour. Let's take a quick break. When we come back, Bruce, there's a lot to react to from what we just heard from the new Cub scouting director, Dan Kantrovich, following a draft that he called pretty epic. That's next on Inside the Clubhouse. Bruce Levine is here. I'm Zach Saveman. This is Chicago Sports Radio 670 The Score. Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile Essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. We're about 10 minutes away from visiting with the number one draft pick of the White Sox in 2020, Tennessee pitcher Garrett Crochet. Zach Saveman, Bruce Levine with you on Inside the Clubhouse. We just finished talking to Cub Scouting Director Dan Kantrovitz, and Bruce, he called it a pretty epic draft for the Cubs. Clearly, they're very high on the first-round pick, Mount Carmel shortstop Ed Howard. But it's more than that, I think, that has the Cubs excited. And after watching the Cubs conduct their first draft with their new scouting director, what stands out about the things that Dan Kantrovitz is bringing to this organization? Well, you know, I think we're getting the best players out there. And I think, you know, under uh, Jason McLeod, we did as well. I think... History will treat Jason McLeod very well for the contributions he made here in Chicago, uh, getting players that helped the Chicago Cubs win a World Series. Obviously, there's been a dearth in uh, pitching developed in the Cub organization, to say the least. But uh, from the uh, the impact players that uh, McLeod brought in, including the international players through their fine international group, um, they have uh, they have really hit it high uh, on young players. Uh, but with, with Dan, I think uh, showing me that regardless of high school or college, they're taking what players they feel have the top upside. And not not every team does that. A lot, some teams, uh, Zach, go for need. Uh, when, for instance, the Cubs, you know, you would think in two of the last three drafts, uh, they took pitching number one. Uh, that made sense, but it also makes sense that uh, you go after who you think has the biggest upside, uh, the biggest chance to uh, have an impact on your major league team, whether they're a pitcher or a position player. So 
first two picks are high school kids. You know, that's that's interesting. Um, you know, a shortstop and a pitcher. And um, that usually means it's going to take a little while longer to develop. But in these two cases, I think you'll, uh, you'll hear the rhetoric and you'll see these players. And I don't think it's going to take forever for uh, Burl Caraway to get there and be in the uh, Cubs bullpen. I don't think it's going to be more than a couple of years for Ed Howard. He might be the next uh, Robin Yount. He might be the next Starlin Castro being in the major league starting at shortstop at age 19. It is interesting how the goal now is, in addition to finding the best player, is to taking guys that once you get them acclimated to all the science that the Cubs have behind the scenes, you can accelerate that development. You talked about Ed Howard, uh, the second round pick, the lefty Burl Haraway is a guy that Baseball America called the best reliever in the draft class, fastball in the high 90s, has that beautiful curveball. He's not a big guy in stature. They've compared him to Billy Wagner. Remember the former Astros reliever? Mm-hmm. He's six feet, 173 pounds. But I, I think it's it's the pitching that, that, to me, stands out. You know, he talked about the fourth round pick, the 19-year-old Luke Little, who's six foot eight from San Jack in Texas, 105 miles per hour during the quarantine in bullpen sessions. So you're seeing that the, the Cubs want those big arms in the pen going forward, which is something that's been an issue for them on the major league level the last couple of years. We'll continue to talk about the White Sox and Cubs uh, draft here. Uh, top of the hour, we'll also talk about the Sosa McGuire documentary, uh, 3030 on uh, ESPN Sunday night. We'll talk to Ron Coomer uh, later on in the show as well. But uh, next up for us is uh, the Chicago White Sox and uh, their fine young number one pick, Garrett Crochet. And we will uh, talk to him coming up after this break. You're listening to The Score. This is 670thescore.com. When we get hands on this kid, we are going to be working fastball location everywhere. We're going to be slider location, both sides of the plate, dirt when we want it. And we're going to be working on a changeup, a continued uh, development of a changeup. Because that's going to complete, those three things are his package. Those three pitches are his package now. We're going to try to take them as far as we can take them. That's White Sox pitching coach Don Cooper earlier this week on Chicago Sports Radio 670 The Score talking about the White Sox top draft picks. Zach Saban, Bruce Levine with you on Inside the Clubhouse. And Bruce, special guests on The Score. Join us on the Alpamonte Ford Hotline, Alpamonte Ford in Melrose Park. The number one pick, Zach, that you talked about, Garrett uh, Crochet, joining us uh, on Inside the Clubhouse this Saturday morning. Garrett, welcome uh, to Chicago. Welcome to the Chicago White Sox. Welcome to 670thescore.com. You're going to enjoy, hopefully, all of that, including our station, as we get to know you. Congratulations. Yes, sir. Thank you. Thank you all for having me. Yeah, we we appreciate it. Hey, um, when when they talk about, when you hear Don Cooper talking about your strengths already, have you had a conversation with Coop yet? And uh, are are you interested in finding out... uh, what your next step is, uh, pitching coach-wise, with the uh, very interesting, very smart, and very animated Don Cooper. 
Uh, no, I haven't yet had a conversation with them, but yeah, I'm very intrigued to see uh, the first step in the player development. I'm very excited to see uh, what they want me to start working on, and I'm just ready to get to work. Garrett, it seems like uh, as soon as you were drafted, at least here on the south side of Chicago, the big topic of conversation became who do we compare you to? And the name Chris Sale gets consistently mentioned, but who do you Look at yourself. Who's your comp when when you go about pitching and trying to, to work on being the best Garrett Crochet that you can be? Who did you look to to try and mimic your game after? Uh, I kind of did exactly what you said. I kind of just try and be the best Garrett Crochet. I've never really looked to anybody in particular. Uh, I, I looked a little bit to sale when I was modeling my slider, but uh, other than that, I've kind of just been trying to be the best pitcher that I can be and trying to not compare myself to anybody and stay within myself. Were you prepared uh, to be picked by the White Sox? I mean, were, was there a, uh, a feeling that, uh, you know, you were, you, we knew you were going to go high in the draft, but you're sitting there for the, through the first 10. What is that like for you and your family uh, seeing the first 10 go, the, the build-up to uh, the commissioner coming up to the stand, not hearing your name for the first 10, and then, boom, it is Garrett Crochet going to the Chicago White Sox. Yeah, so I, I knew the White Sox had some interest going into it. Uh, I had a Zoom meeting with them leading up to the draft, and I felt pretty comfortable with them, and I, I felt like they uh, liked talking to me. And uh, as far as the build-up to it, man, it, it was incredible. I truly can't put it into words, uh, the feelings that me and my family were feeling at the time and how emotional it was. But uh, it, it was very exciting to see my name go off the board and uh, definitely to a good organization like the White Sox. I'm just excited to be a part of it and excited to get going. Talking with the White Sox top draft pick, 6'6 lefty Garrett Crochet out of Tennessee. Can you share with us what those Zoom conversations were like? Because I'm sure you had others with different teams. What stood out about that meeting with the White Sox? Uh, well, the main thing was most of my Zoom meetings, uh, I would have about four or five guys on the call. But with the White Sox, there were about 10 or 11 guys. So I, I knew right away the, the seriousness of the situation and uh as far as what it consists of, it's uh, really just them getting to know me, uh, just some personality questions, uh, getting to know uh, how my development progressed, really uh, what works for me, uh, kind of how I like to train and how I like to prepare to throw, uh, routines and stuff of that sort, kind of just what makes me tick. So you, you grow into another person, both physically and I'm sure emotionally, from your freshman year to your senior year. You want to talk about that growth chart personally and also uh, on the field as you you grow into this uh, uh, much bigger person and bigger-than-life baseball player? Yeah, no, I, I came in and uh, I was a, a wide-eyed freshman, uh, kind of just like most people are when they uh, come into the SEC. And I was excited, and uh, I had a little bit of uh, adrenaline going most times when I would go out there to pitch, And uh, but I was really just excited to be pitching in the SEC. Uh, I feel like the main thing in my development was uh, just developing a true confidence and uh, really knowing what I'm capable of doing and believing in myself when I'm out there on the field. That was really the main adjustment I feel like that I made uh, in my development as well as uh, I added about 40 pounds after getting onto campus uh, from freshman year to junior year, so... Uh, I believe it really was a culmination of all the things. 
the fastball is well documented. Uh, you can go over 100 with it, and that's always a helpful skill at the major league level. The slider is another extremely solid pitch. What's the third pitch that you need to dominate, in your mind, that you need to take your game to the next level? Uh, the third pitch, I, I believe I have right now, uh, being a changeup. I believe not many people saw it as uh, I was really just utilizing it mainly in fall scrimmages. And uh, my starting to the season was a little bit delayed, but uh, I think that's a really good pitch. And I think that's going to be able to get outs for me at the next level. Yeah, it's interesting, uh, Garrett, that, uh, you know, you were not necessarily throwing very hard. You were throwing hard for a, a freshman, maybe coming in, throwing uh, you know, uh, at 87, 88 miles an hour. And then your, your other pitchers had a, pitches had to develop first before the velo came. Uh, I guess that was a, uh, a hidden uh, positive for you as you moved forward. Yeah, no, for sure. Uh, the slider, I, I hadn't really thrown uh, but for like a year uh, going into college. Uh, there was definitely a lot of development needed there. Uh, my fastball kind of just came along, uh, like I said, when I put on all that weight and gained a lot of muscle and just developed better body control. I, I feel like it was the growth spurt in high school that kind of stunted the fastball, but eventually uh, it kind of caught up with my mindset on how I like to pitch, and uh, everything's been working out the way it has now. Where do you see yourself as uh, having the most success immediately? Do, do you feel that it'll be out of the pen or do you initially want to be a starter right away? And have the White Sox discussed any of this with you? Uh, they have not discussed any of it with me. And uh, I'm comfortable with doing both as I uh, did both in college. And uh, I felt like I did both pretty well. And I definitely feel like there's some pros and cons to both. So asking me to choose myself rather than being told which one to do, I feel like it's a hard answer to give. But uh, I'm just willing to do whatever the White Sox want me to do. I mean, uh, I, I feel like they picked me with a plan in mind, and uh, I'm just excited to follow that plan. So uh, how signable are you? And obviously you can't give away all of your uh, business technique to uh, getting with the White Sox, number one. And number two, um, how conservative will you be becoming an instant millionaire? That is some pretty heady stuff. <laughs> uh, as far as the signability concerns go, I, we're following a process right now and we're checking some boxes and I think there's a few more boxes that we need to check. And, uh, but as far as how conservative I would be, uh, I, I think that I would be fairly conservative just due to the, the first round slotting being kind of delayed, uh, to the next year, the signing bonus mm -hmm. being delayed a right. little extra longer. So I feel like it, it, it would only be smart to be at least a little more conservative than I had originally planned. How's your shoulder? Yeah, but you can get a, a new a new vet or uh, something like that. I mean, you owe yourself a car, don't you? <laughs> yeah, I, I like to think so. Uh, might might have to. <laughs> okay. Garrett, uh, much was made about the shoulder. That's fine, right? Yes, sir. Uh, yeah, I believe uh, most people saw the video of me hitting 100 on Twitter uh, after the injury. Uh, and uh, at my first outing, actually, after... Uh, being sat out for so long, I, I was up to 99. So I, I'm back and I'm doing just as good as I was before. In, in closing with you, and uh, and Zach and I certainly appreciate it. Looking forward to meeting you in person sometime soon, hopefully when baseball gets back here uh, pretty soon. Um, when, you, uh, when you look at, um, you know, the progress of where you're going to go and, and what you're going to do, 
Um, is it confusing to you now, knowing that uh, baseball has no minor league to send you to right now, and that uh, you might end up, you know, directly with 48 or 49 other guys, including big leaguers, uh, you know, coming to Chicago and initially working out with the team because it's going to be uh, 50-man rosters with, uh, you know, a taxi squad. So it's kind of up in the air at this point, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, I believe it's really up in the air. It, it is a little bit confusing uh, not knowing which way I'm going to go. But, uh, I mean, like I said earlier, I'm, I'm kind of excited to see what the what the White Sox lay out for me and the plan that, they, uh, that they've developed. But um, uh, the way that you were talking about the taxi squad, uh, I'm super excited for the possibility of that. I'm not sure if it'll work out for me or if that's what the team has in mind. But definitely excited just to see all the possibilities as they unfold. Uh Zach and I appreciate it very much. We appreciate you joining us. Uh, Welcome to Chicago. And I know it's going to be an exciting time for you and the Chicago White Sox coming up in the next couple of years. We'll talk to you soon. Thanks again, Garrett. For sure. Thank you. Thank you all for having me. All right. Garrett Crochet, uh, Zach, uh, interesting young man. And uh, I guess they feel the sky is the limit. You know, the, the one interesting thing about the White Sox, Zach, and you, you asked it in your question about bullpen or starter. Uh, almost all of their really outstanding young pitchers coming up through the minor leagues ended up going from starters in minor league ball, initially coming up to the major leagues in the bullpen for a short or a little lengthier period of time. And then the Mark Burleys, um, the John Garlands, uh, the Chris Sales, went on to become starting pitchers relatively quickly after that. But just getting a taste of baseball uh, in the bullpen and being around it, it's kind of a maturity thing that the White Sox are, are pretty well known for. Yeah, especially, I, I think, coming in in low-pressure situations because I think it's it's like being a, an NFL quarterback. You don't want someone's confidence to go early. And, and I think the White Sox do a very good job uh, of making sure their best young arms get an opportunity to gain uh, almost uh, little teaspoons of, of confidence before they eventually become starters uh, at the major league level. What is interesting, though, is when you look at the White Sox from a, a minor league standpoint, you can make a case that Crochet automatically becomes their best left-handed prospect, wouldn't you say? Uh, well, you know, maybe. Uh, you know, it just depends on, uh, you know, how deep you go in their system. But certainly the, uh, uh, the upside is, is pretty big. I mean, uh, you know, you have a guy that, as you said, can throw 100. Uh, they drafted, uh, you know, uh, another left-handed pitcher as well, two left-handed pitchers. They're, excited, they're probably just as excited about Jared Kelly, uh, the left-handed pitcher they signed out of high school. Uh, Freddie Horn, with their fifth pick, is another guy. So um, I, think, uh, I think they feel this, is, uh, this has been a, a big draft for them, especially one and two, with um, you know, getting Crochet and getting Kelly. Uh, that to, to them, uh, it feels like they got two number one picks in the, in the uh, first two rounds. Yeah, help, help me understand why Kelly fell the way he did into the second round because he's got great size, another power thrower, former football player who then, uh, after his sophomore year, uh, quit that to concentrate solely on baseball. But many had Kelly going in the first round. Why did he drop? 
I don't know if it was signability, uh, Zach, or not. Um, you know, again, um, not not quite sure uh, if they thought he was going to college or not. Uh, the kid has great stuff. I mean, he was projected in a lot of mock uh, drafts in the top 15. You know, I yeah. think uh, Jim Callis had him uh, up there pretty high as well. So they are they are thrilled to have Kelly. Now, hopefully he's going to sign. I mean, they're going to go up slot for him. In other words, they're going to have more money to pay uh, probably above that number two slot. Uh, that normally uh, the money is there for. They're, they're going to pay more than that for him. And they're going to gladly do so because with these two, uh, I mean, you could be looking at a rotation, two rotation guys here in uh, two years or three years that are going to make an impact for the White Sox. Yeah, Kelly has a, an offer from the University of Texas, which he's debating, and, and obviously the White Sox will try to yeah, sign. Texas doesn't quite pay, pay quite as much as the White Sox, but none <laughs> that we know of. Yes, and <laughs> and and the thing with, with Crochet that stands out to me is that the White Sox made their decision even though Crochet only had 13 college starts. So it shows you that there is a great deal of potential, which he flashed in a very short amount of time. Yeah, obviously this year got wiped out. You know, I mean, he had uh, something initially here, but because of the pandemic, you know, everybody's college and high school season were wiped out. College got a little bit more in. Guys like Ed Howard coming from high school got zero in uh, this year, nothing. Uh, Everything was built upon his junior year uh, in high school. So, um, you know, there, there was uh, there was an awful lot of video uh, scouting of guys, extra video scouting uh, before this draft because there was no one to go watch after March 15th. One of the most exciting moments in Major League Baseball history was the home run chase of 1998. Why are we talking about it? Find out next. Bruce Levine is here. I'm Zach Zagman. This is Inside the Clubhouse on Chicago Sports Radio 670 The Score. We really need new phones. T Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. See t-mobile.com. 